You are listening to Innovators Can Laugh with Eric Melcher, where I dive into the interesting and fascinating stories of innovators and startup founders from Europe. Let's dive in. All right. My guest today is Andreas Bruno Rimkunas, co-founder of Monimoto, which is an affordable, easy-to-use, reliable, smart GPS tracker with a year's battery life that cleverly alerts your phone if your motorcycle is, has been moved. Hey, welcome, Andreas. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Eric. Uh, thanks for having, had, having me here. I'm really well. Uh, what about you? I'm doing pretty good. Tomorrow, we're heading out to the mountains, spending uh, Christmas with, my, with the in-laws and my, my sister-in-law and her family. So I'm pretty excited about it. I'm hoping that this year they'll, they'll cook something different than what they made last year because for like four days in a row, all I ate, what it seemed to me was like pork for four days in a row. And it, it was just too much. You know, I was like, hey, I, I don't want to have pork again for a year. It was too much. So what are you going to be doing for Christmas? Well, I hope uh, I won't be, oh, I won't be eating that much. As, <laughs> uh, you know, it used to be a few years ago. We had all the, I guess we all had this quarantine, you know, diet. So I uh, had uh, kept to limit, limit ourselves a bit. But okay. uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, it's the last day before uh, before the Christmas Eve. We have this. Uh, I I've been reading somewhere. Just uh, there is a twenty fourth of December is the day of bank holidays in Lithuania and Poland. Might be some other country as well. But uh, it's uh, a day before Christmas. You know, it's the eve when the well officially Christ was born. So uh, we are like celebrating twenty fourth and then 25th, and then 26th, and uh, it depends whether we are celebrating 27th or not. Yeah, yeah, so lots of celebration. Hey, I'm curious, during the celebration, is there a type of food that uh, is tradition, and maybe it's a type of food that you don't necessarily like, but they make it and you feel obligated to eat it, is there anything like that on the menu during the uh, traditions? Always, always like that. So, you know, I hate herring. I just don't understand it. You know, I can uh, eat salmon and other fish, but herring uh, is not uh, a food for me. But <laughs> uh, it's really, really popular here in Lithuania during the Christmas, uh, you know, time. Yeah. And, uh, well, I guess it's uh, the, the, it takes like, what, hundreds, uh, 200 years, you know, to, to build this tradition and you cannot avoid that. <laughs> so it's uh, something, something you know, and then uh, I guess it, it's coming from uh, the old ancient times. Uh, uh, there has to be 12 dishes on the table. I think it's for uh, one per each month, you know, so it uh, symbolizes that next year they all, they, all the 12 months will be like, you know, uh, fine, nice and uh, good. So, yeah. yeah, you have to kind of try 12 uh, dishes uh, okay. when you are at the table. So it's uh, something like that, yeah. But in my a... case, it's herring. And uh, I guess, you know, it's, uh, well, before all the, you know, big events, uh, uh, there is a period of, uh, you know, some diet. So officially, you know, those who are religious, they are not eating meat or uh, some, you know, uh, other foods, um, uh, the, uh, well, grease, uh, maybe, uh, like, 30 days before that or so. And then, you know, the feast starts and you're eating everything. So it, it, it's kind of a, you know, uh, this um, uh, event. So, okay. yeah, normally the Athenians and, uh, you know, I guess the, the our neighbors uh -huh. used to eat a lot during the Christmas uh, time. Have you been fasting, Andreas? No. 
All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, well, hey, um, so I want to start off with just some personality questions. So that way the audience can kind of get to know a little bit about you. Uh, we'll jump into Monimoto in just a second here. But first question I have for you is, what is a major sporting event or maybe even a concert, like a, like a music band that you really like, that you would love to see one day? Well, my wife hates it, you know, when she says, well, there is some artist, you know, coming and we should go to the concert. And for me, I'm, I'm extrovert, but I just don't like this, you know, mass of people, you know, uh, squeezing into some uh, one space and then listening to some well questionable quality, uh, you know, uh, sounds. Uh-huh. And, uh, mm, but I would definitely go to something like, you know, Goldie and the orchestra. Okay. So, you know, Goldie is a German bass uh, hero from uh, coming from UK. He's a promoter and producer of drum and bass music. And he did this uh, uh, big event uh, with the uh, uh, Royal Orchestra, uh, you know, together. And mm-hmm. the sound is like something amazing, like the, the, the classical, you know, sound and then the modern rhythm. Okay. And for me, it was like mind blowing stuff. All right. All right. Okay. Next question for you. Uh, what is a TV show or movie that you can watch again and again? Well, in my family, it's uh, Men in Black and Matrix. I think, yeah. Okay. Are you going to watch the new one coming out? I don't even know. Is it out yet? Matrix? I saw the trailer. Uh, I don't know when it's uh, out, but definitely. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look forward to watching it too. It's one of those things that you have to watch it in the theater because you just don't get the same experience. Uh, at home, watching it on the TV or on your laptop. Sure, sure. Out of all these 100 times you watch this movie, you should, uh, you know, watch it at least once in the cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, last fun question for you. Uh, Andreas, does pineapple belong on pizza? Sure. <laughs> this is something, you know, I could, uh, uh, you know, torture Italians. Uh, I'm traveling to Italy a-, a lot, actually. So this is where, you know, I feel like testing them, you know, yeah. could I have some pineapple on top? And some, you know, like, I guess 50% of them are, are totally fine with that. And others are starting the, the like, <laughs> well, very emotional conversation. I really <laughs> enjoy that. Has any of them ever told you get out of here? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But it's uh, kind of, a, you know, it's a re- religious uh, issue, I would say. You know, there is always like PC and Mac and maybe, you know, uh, whatever, diesel or, or petrol. And then it's a, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Alone, pizza or not. So this is this type of thing. And so I do enjoy, you know, uh, trolling other people with that. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's start off talking a little bit about early in your career before your entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, you had roles at the Lithuanian State Television and Radio and also at a Freaky Production House. What were some of the skills that you learned performing these roles that helped you become a better entrepreneur? I was thinking about that a lot, especially when my uh, uh, daughters, uh, uh, one is 16, another 14, you know, it's the, the, this age when they are questioning, okay, okay who I'm, uh, you know, going to, to be, you know, what, what I'm going to work, should I choose the career path and so on. And I was reading lots of books and articles about that. And, you know, there's a theory about this uh, square type of person, T type, uh, T shape, uh, you know, person and so on. And uh, uh, then it's a distinction of early, uh, well, what's that? Uh, a career path, uh, you know, or late. And late means building, you know, lots and lots of very, very different experiences. So this is what I had, actually, because, you know, when I was, uh, what, 
I guess 15, we, and it was a crazy times. So it was like uh, Lithuania just got the independence and, you know, we were, we are on the borderland. So, you know, it was a trading. I was actually jealous because I was a bit too young to go to, uh, to this trading stuff, like, you know, buying the German cars from German, used cars from Germany and bringing them to Ukraine or Russia. And then from Russia, you could take metals and bring to Germany and do, you know, lots of uh, trading and so on. So I ended up with the, uh, buying the Lada, the Russian cars, uh, uh-huh. which are shipped from UK. So they are the, the driving wheel is on the right side. So my job was to, you know, to put the, this, uh, you know, on the left side and sell to Ukrainian or Georgian and or Russian people. Okay. So I, I learned how to, you know, paint the cars, how to do the uh, welding, you know, and all other stuff. So this is what's very early stuff. Then I used to, to, to build up by <laughs> trading. Or even before that, I guess it was the, the trader skill when, uh, well, in, in, there is a saying in Soviet Union, there were no uh, sex. And, you know, actually there were no education, no books about that at all. And then it was a book called The, uh, well, the Essence of Sexology or something like that. And the book was, uh, you know, very rare. People were just, you know, buying it like crazy. It's a, it was a totally new and fresh thing. And I had somewhere to buy them, you know, in bulk. And it, the price was what? Something like five rubles, maybe something like that. And I was selling for 25 for all the kids and adults in my, you know, yard. So, yeah, I was uh, selling like crazy back then. Yeah. So then I went to the uh, musical shop for, where, you know, I was fascinated by the fact that uh, keyboards can be connected to the, to the computers. And this is why, where I ended up, uh, uh, you know, uh, building, assembling the computers, some specific ones with specific sound cards for composers and Lithuania and so on. So this is well, one of the skills, you know, that I, that I had. And then... Eventually, I went to the radio, and I had to take care of, take care about the both computers in the radio station. That that was like back in two, 1995, I guess. Uh-huh. And then I, I I I was working nighttime as a radio host uh, or a DJ, and then uh, I was invited to TV station. Uh, where, uh, you know, I did the same. Actually, it was a radio DJ speaking, you know, to the camera. So uh, there was a need to fill in these gaps, you know, between the programs and the news. Yeah. Because, you know, now you have computers and you have playlists and you can fill in, you know, this uh, sequence of playlists uh, however you want. Yeah. But then, back then, there, was, uh, there were tapes and you just had to fill in, like, okay, today you have three minutes, 37 seconds. So you go and fill in this with some type of game. You call in, you answer the, the questions, you win some prizes and so on. Yeah. So, and I had nothing to do between these, uh, you know, uh, I would say interruptions. So, uh, well, normally I was going there uh, to the TV uh, station about 5 p.m. maybe and working until 10 p.m. and just a couple of, uh, you know, appearances on, mm-hmm. uh, on air. So uh, there was a kind of an offer. Maybe you would like to write some, you know, texts for uh, for TV program and TV shows trailers, like promo promotional texts. And I was like, yeah, maybe. And then uh, I started to voice them. So and then you know there were like two editors, and uh, uh, I was told like, okay, you have to now, uh, you know. Uh, coordinate all this you know stuff with them so this is how i went from uh, you know uh, being a host to writing to to copywriter to voiceover talent to coordinator and then a manager of small you know division in, in the television so this is how i became kind of a creative marketing guy 
Uh-huh. And then eventually, you know, all the agencies and communications and everything else, else you know, built up during the, the, the years. Yeah. So this was a really long answer, right? <laughs> like, this is how it went. Yeah. And I'm so curious. I mean, let's let's start with, um, okay, DJing, right? You had a radio show. You had different programs. Was there a specific program that you liked the best? The one that, you know, you got excited about? Uh, was there, you know, a fun part of that specific role that you were in? Yes and no. You know, I, I used to record, you know, some of the shows myself. And then, you know, I did listen to them, well, five years later on. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, shit, it was so really bad, you know. But back then I was like so proud to to work on radio. So it's, uh, well, yes and no. But uh, uh, one thing was, and I'm still remembering uh, it's very clearly. So there were like just two CD players in the station. And, uh, you know, there, there were no MP3 files that, uh, you know, and the computers were really, had really tiny hard disks. So only the ads, uh, you know, could, could go into a computer, but otherwise yeah. all the music you know, were com- was coming from the CDs. And we had something like two or 300 CDs, you know, on the wall. And I remember it clearly when it, you, you hadn't, uh, you know, uh, to look at the wall, you were just, you know, extending your arm and picking the right CD taking it to the CD player and, you know, you were like uh, instantly remembering the the number of the song, you know, to play. So wow. it was a skill, you know, that uh, we used to have, you know, back then. <laughs> and um, uh, that's one thing I do remember. I also remember that it was really, really hard to stay about uh, awake until 4 uh, a.m. in the morning. It's, uh-huh. you know, it's a, well, it's something, you know, happening between 3 and 5 uh, a.m. in the morning. It's really hard to not to fall asleep yeah and uh, uh this is where you know i i was getting uh, phone calls from uh, different you know uh, uh women you know who were not sleeping and saying okay let's talk you know and and, and chat and so on so i uh, sometimes we were like chatting uh, you know uh, on ear sometimes um uh, off ear and uh well sometimes it went really intimate uh, you know uh, discussions and uh, open uh, stuff but i never met any any you know of, of those and the show was called discodrome uh, uh, so my previous boss at the radio station he went to some uh, national big uh, radio station to another city and he left me uh, this program so it was 2 hours of house and disco not disco house and techno music yeah and you know it was kind of a you know funny thing when you know the m- music is playing something like 129 or more bpms and you are kind of thinking when you are speaking fast it makes it really you know good for people but uh again as i said when you're listening to this recording it's funny you know you you're saying nothing no content you're just uh, telling some shit and it's uh it's going too fast and you can barely understand what's what's in there but Back then, you know, the radio, this radio show was, uh, I guess, the, one of the most popular uh, on this radio station. So, yeah, yeah. Fa- <laughs> Fascinating. And then also when you were talking about changing the steering wheel and moving it to the left hand side and selling those cars uh, physically, was that the most physically demanding job that you ever had? Because to me, it seems like, hey, there, there's a lot of physical work that goes into that. Was it hard work? I mean, was it, you know, very demanding? Yeah, or... but, uh, uh, well, Eric, I, I know I'm a bit uh, like crazy person, I'd say. Like, uh, you know, when, when I'm saying like to my wife, 
oh, should I should try this one. I do really like, you know, to to try this uh, welding, you know, aluminum stuff. So she's like, oh, no, it's, you know, again. So she knows I'll, I'll, I'm going to I'm going to be jumping into, you know, all in, you know, testing it and, you know, coming back back within like uh, what's two weeks time. Yeah. So, no, it wasn't. I think, uh, you know, I well, this welding part and, you know, changing this wasn't the most uh, uh, dirty job, I would say, you know, the preparation for painting is the most, uh, I would say, dirty and uh, the job that, that I don't like. Same would be with the house, you know, reconstruction. Uh, you should uh, take all these plaster, you know, boards and then um, uh, apply some, uh, I don't even know the English words, you know, for them, but uh, lots of different stuff until you get the wall really uh, even, you know, and you can paint, yeah. paint it over. So... Okay. I've tried a lot of things and I do love woodworking and I have the garage full of uh, woodworking stuff. So I, I, I do like, uh, you know, uh, doing this uh, dirty or uh, mechanical, physical, you know, uh, jobs. And, it, and they have actually, they help to, to relax after, you know, being all, you know, day in the calls or Excel sheets or, you know, whatever yeah. daily job you do. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I never considered myself to be a person that likes working in the garden or yard. But when my wife and I bought our house, I uh, and our, even though our backyard was really small, I enjoyed being out there planting, you know, new plants or cutting the grass or repairing the fence. There was just something, you know, physically getting your hands dirty that 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 was that made it very relaxing. So I, I definitely understand what you mean. Um, prior to launching Manimoto. Um, you had a lot of different entrepreneurial pursuits. Can you tell us about one that you were very excited about, but it didn't turn out like you expected? What did you learn from that one? But it will be connected to Morimoto, I think, in the in the end of story. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the well, the overall career that I had, it it was like on the marketing creative agency side, right? And I I, I did work actually on all the biggest Lithuanian television networks and and the Baltic. You know, Lithuania is really tiny markets. It's like what three million people. So sometimes you know when uh, foreign businesses are launching, you know, uh, corporates, so they are like uh, seeing this uh, all three Baltic countries: Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia as a like Baltic region and and. Then, you know, I used to work there as well. But after that, I did realize that I have to escape this industry because, you know, it's uh, what's uh, what 15 years more or less, you know, in, in that uh, in TV, radios and agencies and so on. I'm fed up, you know, and it uh, doesn't make any sense for me to stay uh, here. And I was determined I should be going uh, and choosing some tech related stuff. And I'm not sure why, but hardware was always something, you know, in there. Like, okay, now I can tell, okay, next, my next venture will be something like, uh, you know, software as a service, maybe B2B, you know, this is why, you know, I, I, I'm good at selling and marketing and do the, the, the things, but hardware is still winning, you know, somehow. Yeah. So back then, when I did decide this, uh, kind of made, I would say I've made this guideline for myself, I should be working in, in, uh, you know, starting my career in tech. I had this idea that we should build some, uh, I should build some uh, uh, lamp, rear lamp, you know, this red one for the bicycles, uh, which would act as a tracker. Okay. And then, uh, well, I 
didn't find anything like that on the market. So then, and I was having small kids back then. And I was like, okay, there should be some kind of solution to track your kid because when you, you become parent and, and they start, you know, to going to kindergarten and later on to, uh, to the school, you're kind of very ne- nervous, you know, to, to lose them. It's, it's not the times like 30 years ago when we were like spending all the day on the street. Now it's yeah. uh, different. And I was looking for some solutions. And I went to different companies, including, you know, big uh, Lithuanian company, uh, Teltonica, and uh, who were who is still doing hardware and they're doing really well. And uh, I did purchase uh, some, of the vi- some of the devices. And my plan was to build the back end and then, you know, front end and uh, use these devices for tracking the kits and so on. But it went, you know, so bad because the devices were full of, bucks, you know, it, it, it stopped working. And, uh, you know, my programmer was like, okay, it just stopped recording to the server, you know, and I'm not sure what to do. There, there is no way to, you know, to, to do anything about that. And I went uh, to this company and uh, Teltonica, you know, where I was buying the hardware from. And I was saying like, guys, I did invest like, you know, all the money I had into this project and your hardware just doesn't work. You know, maybe there are some uh, other ways, maybe you can, you know, uh, reveal some, uh, you know, source code to me and I could, uh, you know, help uh, with that, you know, because it's uh, obviously not working or, or do something, you know, else. But the answer is, well, no, sorry, it's our proprietary stuff. And so, you know, there is nothing to do. So, yeah, I lost, I think, well, now it doesn't, uh, sound like a very, very huge amount, but that back then it was like 30,000 euro or so. So it was all I had and I made myself a clear, uh, lesson that I should not be uh, building, uh, you know, uh, like businesses or ideas on top of other people's stuff, which are acting like a black, black box, which I cannot influence, which I cannot change, you know, and then you are like, okay, so this box is, you know, not providing any feedback. It's, it doesn't, uh, just doesn't work. So, yeah. you know, this is very, very painful thing that I learned, uh, what, I guess it was 2007, eight. Mm-hmm sometime about that so yeah and uh, this is uh, well how it's connected with monomoto so uh i did went with this idea of bicycle uh you know lamp to to few engineers in in vilnius so i was uh, having having lunch with a few of them and this is how i met uh petro landas uh, my current partner he was uh, and he's still a founder and uh, he was back then a ceo of another company engineering company and they did like the idea and uh, so he got interested. He he brought back to the uh, to the other partners, his partners, and uh, said, "Yeah, we are interested." But uh, you know, during the uh, I guess first six uh, months, we realized that we cannot do anything that small and in the like affordable price range. And uh, the technology is not there yet. And uh, we should do something for motorcycles. And this is how the Morimoto was born. Uh, funny thing is that uh, at the moment, we are coming back to the bicycles. Yeah. yeah. So you're going through this period where you said you just lost like 30,000 euros. It was a, that's, a, that's a huge sum. And uh, you have two small kids. And uh, I'm wondering... What were you doing? You have all this weight on your shoulders because you got to provide for your family. You just spent a lot of time and effort on something that didn't work out. And was this sort of like the light at 
how, how did you get through this? You know, th this is a, a big struggle in my eyes. I've got two small kids, so I, I, I can't imagine where I just spent a lot of my money, a lot of my savings, and this didn't work out. What was going on through your head at this time, Andres, and how did you get through it? I, I think I'm always uh, getting through somehow. It's, uh, well, now when looking retrospectively, it was, uh, uh, it, there were like few things. One thing I would say is friends. So I have I had friends who you know were totally okay to borrow me what's five thousand uh, euro you know uh, and no terms uh, nothing and uh, that was one thing and another is I'm always always you know uh, finding a way how to earn money one or another way so I I I'm totally okay to provide the services I am okay as as you heard you know to do some uh, physical you know uh, stuff uh, I'm. Uh, quite good project manager so i know how to code a bit and i can build you know well quite a complex uh, you know websites and uh, do the voiceover and uh, and producing the uh, well the videos and so on. so you know i and i have a really really big network of um, of uh, you know people i know so this is uh, well you know it's uh, uh, all helped it's like, okay, for the short periods, uh, uh, you can borrow the money from your friend. And then in the meantime, you know, I can always find some projects that I can work on and, you know, live on this uh, money, return the, uh, you know, money to, to my friend that I borrowed from. And uh, yeah, okay. so, okay. you know, I uh, just to, you know, understand I'm, I'm oh, a very energetic person. So sometimes it's, it makes, you know, some people who are next to me and uh, have uh, less energy than me, it sometimes irritates them. And <laughs> with all this energy, I can, I can, you know, uh, work on few, uh, quite a big projects uh, simultaneously. Okay. And so I'm, I'm just like that. So, you know, this is what I uh, realized. And actually one, one of my friends helps me to realize that I am okay to take, you know, much more, than other people can, you know, take in terms of, you know, job, uh, thinking, you know, and I'm a really, I'm thinking really fast. So that's yeah. one thing. And the, another thing, every time I'm okay, I should be, you know, uh, well, maybe I should be choosing some more like narrow niche. Maybe I should be, you know, product manager, which I, uh, you know, um, I guess I would be really, you know, uh, good at that. Uh, and then uh, I should be going coding because I can and, uh, you know, doing some other stuff. For instance, I would do woodworking, you know, and that's, uh, you know, in yeah. certain times it pays, uh, you know, really well. Yeah. But my friend said, no, 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 you would be lost. You, you have too much, you know, energy. You know, for that. <laughs> so you have to, 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 to be careful. You have to work with people. You have to push ideas. You know, you have to, to get some uncertainty. Yeah. Because, you know, when uh, when the things are cert certain around me, it's not really interesting to me. Yeah, you're, you're kind of like a jack-of-all-trades. So when people first hear about Manimoto, what do they get really excited about when they discover uh, the product? Well, in most cases, it's not uh, they get excited. It's more like they say, okay, I saw, you know, another tracker on Amazon selling at, uh, what, three times, you know, less or, or so. And then, you know, it takes time to to speak, discuss, and educate, you know, uh, about the differences and, uh, well, the focus that we have. And uh, when we started in Morimoto, there were, like, plenty of different trackers that you could use as an anti-theft tracker. You can uh, even use, you know, whatever old iPhone that you have connected to the uh, motorcycle, you know, in order to be charged at all times. And here you go, you can use, you know, different mm -hmm. 
technologies to do the same job. But what we did focus on was the ease of use. Uh, you know, all these trackers, uh, when we started, they were all wired. So you have to connect like at least two wires, right? Red and black. And it causes lots of, uh, you know, difficulties for some people and other people don't want to breach <clears throat> the warranty of the motorcycle when it's new. And uh, then uh, the configuration, it was uh, done either through specific software, which is uh, uh, done through computer connecting, you know, through the USB micro USB or whatever, you know, cable or through text messages, which is really, you know, uncomfortable. And uh, this is where we said, okay, we could do a battery power device, which would focus only on anti-theft, uh, you know, stuff. And we should uh, do the, uh, so that that means actually eliminating, eliminating all the, uh, so to say, nice to have features like, okay, I, I would like to track all this route that I want yeah. and then share with the friends or community, you know, yeah. and so on. So we kind of stripped it down to the anti-theft uh, function right. only. And we made a really, really nice uh, uh, user experience, uh, ease of use uh, thing through the app. So it just uses two uh, apps, iPhone or okay. Android. No other means of, of front end. And then you just go next, you insert your name, and then next, 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 and here you go. You, you can start using the device. All right. And uh, what markets are you in? I know you're in many countries in Europe, and I think you, you launched in the U.S., but what markets are, are you in currently? So short history, it went like this. Back in 2017, end of 2017, we finished the first version of product, which now we see it was like buggy like shit. And um, <laughs> we started trading in Italy. We went to the shows and Italy, when you're looking from, you know, business development perspective on Excel looks wonderful. Uh -huh. The country is full of motorcycles. It's the leader in the world, you know, of motorcycles per yeah. capita. Well, except for maybe India, Philippines, and, you know, the countries where the motorcycle is the first, you know, mean of uh, yeah. transportation. But uh, then the theft rates are high, you know, and the insurance companies, are, you know, matured and so on. But it didn't work out. Like, uh, it's, it's really... <laughs> you know, it was really weird to understand that uh, there are agents, you know, people who are dealing with all these retail shops and every agent works differently in, in uh, his or her different region, like Sicily is in the south or, you know, Piemont or, you know, Lombardia is on, on the top where the rich uh, region is and they have different, uh, you know, understanding on how to sell and it's really, you know, hard to control of them. It's impossible, actually, to control them. They are overselling. They are like uh, promising that there is no subscription for the SIM card uh, to the people, and it's it's coming back, you know, uh, in a bad way. And the worst case uh, was when uh, most of them were asking for payment terms of six or nine months, which for us was like, no, we can't, you know, yeah. offer that. We are like struggling with cash. We are a young company, yeah. so and. Uh, this is how we said, okay, we should try UK. And uh, we were approaching the retailers directly in the UK. And it picked up slowly, but it did pick up. And both the direct-to-consumer channels, it's, it's our own website, and then the Amazon channel. And uh, the retailer shops, uh, well, it's proved to be, you know, at uh, the right product, the right quality of the product and the offering and, uh, well, the timing. Yeah, so it's uh, it starts with the UK. <laughs> Then, uh, then uh, we went to France, and France, the, the, there is there are much more competitors, I would say, than in in UK. And eventually, we did cover the whole Europe. Uh, so we were changing this model from working with the retailers. We went to distributors, uh, one exclusive distributor for one country, 
So that means a faster, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, markets penetration. And then you, USA. So we gained some experience. We did the certifications uh, for USA and we did screen all the distributors and we were, were working for like half a year with, uh, with uh, all of them until we reached uh, the agreement with Teco Power Sports, who is, uh, I guess, uh, the best uh, distributor that we ever had. Fantastic, fantastic. And, and they are now, now USA and USA now, I think it's like 45% of all total units sold. This great, year. great. What's what's your revenue for 2021, Andreas? Uh, we will finish 2021 with something like 2 points, uh, almost 3 million, 2.3. Last year, it was 1 point, uh, almost 4. So 1.4, we were targeting to grow 100%. So we missed that. Okay, there are like justifications like, you know, COVID, supply chain and other issues. But, uh, well, I think we are still positive and, and I mean, cash cash flow or EBITDA positive. So that's good. And for the next year, again, we have this, we have this 100% growth. Okay. So, yeah, let's get 5 mil, you know, next year. So we'll see. All right. All right. All right. Well, last question I have for you, Andreas, is I was, broking, I was, I was poking around your personal website. Uh, and I saw lots of books, books such as Triggers, Startup Nation, Growth Hacker Marketing. If you could recommend one or two books uh, for the audience, which one would you recommend? Uh, okay, Eric, but first I need to understand your audience better. So <laughs> what's the ideal customer profile of your audience? Well, these are uh, either startup founders or people who want to create a startup. Here, the very entrepreneurial mindset. Someone who's got the ambition. Maybe they don't have the exact idea yet, but... Um, they're looking for some guidance, maybe some good knowledge that they could uh, learn from. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, it's really hard to pick the best one because, you know, my my speed is like, what, 50, at least 50 books okay. per year. And uh, I'm, uh, you know, switching from uh, Harvard Business Review collections to to some psychology or so sociology books and, uh, and so on. So, mm, on one end, I would uh, recommend, you know, something uh, uh, which is like historical, uh, you know, the, well, it's, you know, Guns, Germs and Steel or, you know, these, uh, uh, the, the series of the books. Uh, let me check. Uh, and while you're checking, do you have a life, a life motto or maybe a favorite quote that uh, you live by? Oh, my Maybe it's it, it would be something like uh, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Okay, something like that, yeah. you know. And yeah, so uh, the the uh, uh, next to the guns, terms and steel, it's Harari books, you know, uh, about twenty first uh, age and so on. So it's uh, why because it really lays out, you know, how did it went to the very start of uh, humanity and you know how it's uh, how humans did change the world and themselves and so on. So that would be like one stream. And uh, well, the other would be, I would say, uh, geopolitical books. Uh, and that's uh, Tim Marshall, uh, Divided and others. It 
really opens your eyes and helps to understand, you know, the differences and the reasons, maybe reasoning behind why is China like that or Russia like that or, or you know, some other countries or, or regions okay. like that. Because, uh, for instance, I guess for USA, uh, for Americans, it's really hard to understand, you know, what's what's happening. But for us, you know, when I'm living in Ruthenia, which is like borderland, so we're always on this border, you know, and then there were Germans and then the Swedes and then the Russians, you know, and then, uh, you know, others like uh, fighting and, you know, uh, living on this borderland. All right. Okay. No, th- that book sounds really fascinating. I think it's something that I'm going to put on my uh, favorite list in Amazon and uh, and check it out because I'm always fascinated about, you know, different countries, the history about each country or the different regions. And now that I'm living over here in Eastern Europe, uh, I feel like it's something that uh, I definitely would enjoy. So, Andreas, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, this has been very, very uh, fascinating. I enjoy learning much about you and your experience and, and, your, and your background and your story. And uh, to everybody listening, just want to say thanks again for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please give us a review, and I will chat with you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscollab.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks.